We have a lot to discuss this week, but I do want to mention one thing before we get into our topics for the week, mm-hmm. uh, which is, uh, can you convince me not to buy a Mac Studio? <laughs> the, the base model. Oh, yeah. yeah. $2,000. There's going to be M2 products within about two months. Yeah, but M2 base won't, com- won't compare to M1, what is it, Ultra on the base model? Yeah, well, the, the base mode is Max. Max, okay. Well, it can't compare to M1 Max. It can on single core. It can on single core, uh, which is mostly what you do. Battery life is not a concern on a on a on a, on a Mac desktop. So that's yeah. Why do you want it? I don't know what you'd want it for. Well, that, what's wrong? What's wrong with your laptop? My laptop's fine. Uh, it's got the lowest storage and the lowest RAM, and. I find that when I use it with the display, the studio display, as as a desktop, that um, I tend, I'm less like neat and tidy about closing programs, and mm-hmm. there's just so much space. And also, I love the idea of the desktop having Safari tabs open for a long time, whereas on the laptop, Safari tabs are a concern because of RAM. Yeah, and um. Also, I've I had a, some some of it is just bug related. I'm not I'm I am concerned. I will say this: I'm concerned about like say the next version of macOS and how it performs on M1, even though it's still the version that Apple's still selling. Like eventually, software updates don't perform as well on older processors, and especially if M2 is out at WWDC or in the fall, then. This could, this could, I, like, I feel like my Mac Book Air with M1 was better on whatever OS it shipped with than it is now. Hmm. And Mac Studio, what is the, this, le- the least amount of RAM is 32 gigabytes. Yeah. Which is way more than I need, but pretty cool. And I'm, I'm also like, like, I'll, right now, I'll use my MacBook Air in clamshell mode for days at a time. I'm, I'm plenty happy with my desk, desk setup. And I have my back pain's better. <laughs> like, um, uh, it's working out for me. And I would still have the MacBook Air for like trips and everything. Um, but there's, and also the, I think the, the minimum storage is one terabyte. So there's a lot to, of appeal there. Like, it would fix a lot of things for me where I could have all my photos local, music local, you know, things Matt, like that. That's fair. Matt, you, you made some good points. Okay. I would say, can I convince you to wait? Two weeks just to check that they don't release like an M2 MacBook and an M2 Mac Mini at WWDC. Yeah, I'll wait two weeks. That's fair. And I, you know, the the con for me of, after all the pros is it is two thousand dollars plus tax, mm-hmm. and um, that isn't nothing. And it's I, not. Yeah, and I can't. I, I wouldn't trade in my MacBook Air for like what is the value now? Like four hundred dollars. Uh, I wouldn't trade it in for a Mac Studio. I would, I would still want that. You know, there's it's worth it to me to keep. So. That's my biggest hesitation, and that's that makes it easy to wait two weeks and see what happens. So. Yeah, I mean, the Mac Mini is not going to be like it may, it, if you spec it up to be comparable, it'd probably be like fifteen hundred rather than two thousand. Yeah, but even the chance is the yeah. M if it does have M two in it, there's a decent chance that the M two chip on single core will be faster than the M one Max is yeah. in the Ultra in the studio. Yeah, uh, Mac Mini. For, well, one thing that's held me back for Mac, uh, Mac Studio, I keep wanting to say Mac Stadium. That's the the rack mount server company. Um, 
Mac Studio is that I can't just walk into an Apple store or a Best Buy and, and have one and I can't order it for like two day shipping. Um, so they're, they're still constrained. Uh, I, I can walk into a Best Buy and walk out with the Mac Mini, but it's literally my MacBook Air, like spec for spec. Yeah, I wouldn't buy Mac Mini now. Just not that's... portable, and so yeah, that's and, not... and it's two years old. Like, yeah, and, I, and... I'm always on the I'm always on the on the on the side of wait and then buy something when it's pretty new. And right. the, the Mac Studio is still pretty new, and there won't be another generation of that for an, at least a year. Yeah, you get the most value out of it. It isn't like the price goes down over time. Um, so, uh, and also with the Mac Studio, the 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 port situation is really good. Like, mm-hmm. It's got SD on the front. It has SD in the first place. Like I, I was looking at shopping for uh, a Thunderbolt dock because I, I sold mine uh, a while ago, and it's like three hundred bucks for what I'm looking for. That's like a good toward a Mac Studio. <laughs> you know? Yeah, <laughs> that's a fair point. No, I would wait. I would wait a fortnight just see what the land lies. If they do announce M2 stuff, that's a. I would definitely consider getting that instead. Even if, even if the M2 Mac Mini doesn't have an SD card slot, you could get an M2 Mac Mini plus a SD card adapter. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Phil Schiller said it's a it's a great solution. So, because <laughs> SD on its own is cumbersome. <laughs> yeah, SD SD in in integrated is cumbersome. But if you have got an adapter for it, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> and Sp- I, speaking of adapters, I have an adapter and it's annoying. But yes, go ahead. <laughs> uh, Mark Gurman backed up what Quo had reported in the previous week about Apple testing USB C iPhones. Yeah, for we we, we not- joked we joked about Quo as like we're not so sure on Twitter is he as credible as as in a pdf file but this helps back it up this doesn't this does indeed this is this is quote ranking is already restored from <laughs> our, our takedown from the previous episode yeah. uh, so sorry sorry quote but uh, mark basically said that yep apple is indeed testing uh usb iphone models for next fall so you know not the iphone 14 but the iphone 15 yeah 2023 uh, yeah and and on the adapter side they're also developing a lightning to USB-C adapter. So if you have existing lightning accessories, they will continue to work if you get the dongle adapter for it, just like they had an adapter for 30 pin to lightning back in the day. Which was sold out and, for a while. And they're sold out for a while and they're a bit rubbish. But yeah, they do exist. Uh, and their Apple will make one and sell it to you for $29 each, I'm sure, yeah. just to tide you over. And then also they're working on USB-C accessories like airpods and stuff which is a huge benefit that we i don't think we really talked about in the last episode is that because obviously right now all of the iphone accessories have the lightning port as well but airpods they are predominantly an iphone accessory but you use them with your mac your ipad everything else and it's kind of annoying that they have lightning in the bottom you understand why they have lightning in the bottom today because it, it'd be stupid not to match the port of the iphone but it when the iphone gives usb-c all of apple's accessories will also make the switch and that extends to stuff like their keyboards as well right because like all the magic keyboard and mouse and you know even the apple tv remote has a lightning port on it when very practically they could be usb-c too so it's not just the iphone that's, that's changing if the, the iphone change will encourage apple's entire lineup to move over you could put a little usb-c port on, on the front of the magic mouse and so, <laughs> so I, I like this detail of their port um with with the adapter mention you know that was additional to what quo had said you know quo didn't mention the adapter but it's you know mark confirmed it in, in his reporting um i was first my first thought was like that doesn't already exist but of course it doesn't exist when i searched for it on amazon because apple would have to make it they, they're they're the sole proprietor of lightning ports so uh and then 
with the, with the change to the accessories, if it weren't mentioned, I would have guessed that Apple continues to use Lightning for its accessories port and that the argument would be iPhone benefits from data transfer improvements and maybe charging speed. But the accessories, those are all like lightning's appropriate for that still. Um, But it's, so it's good news. Like I will happily replace the black and silver magic trackpad that I have with lightning on the back with, for USB-C that would be very useful because I've got a lightning cable at my desk just for that. (laughs) So um, for whenever it needs to recharge, and yeah, and AirPods too. Yeah, you know, the day the USB C iPhone comes out, they're not going to immediately discontinue all their current accessories. But any future revision to them will switch would switch the port over. I'd imagine. Yeah, so Air- like, AirPods Max with USB C, pretty cool. <laughs> and then, like the AirPods is like they can even do it with AirPods specifically. It's easy because yeah, they can just the sell the exact. Even if they don't have new AirPods to sell, they can just change the case. Right, they can sell the exact same AirPods to the new case, which they've done in the past when they had the wireless charging case. They had the exact same AirPods generation. They just added a wireless case option to it. And, and MagSafe for AirPods Pro. Mm-hmm. They added MagSafe yep. to the case. That's another good, another great example. So on the AirPods front, the day a USB C iPhone comes out, they'll just change the case that comes with the that comes with the units because yeah, AirPods are so the, close to iPhone. Yeah, uh, and the key, the keyboards and the mice and stuff. They, you know, they're not. There isn't. It's not as pressing a need for them to keep that in sync it would be nice if they did but more practically they'll discontinue the current line it will slowly sell out and then they'll bring a new line which has USB-C ports instead of yeah. lightning ports and everyone will be happy i love the USB-C feature it's about a, about a decade late but it's it's happening <laughs> <laughs> you know you know when, when people say oh apple always keeps things back for the next version <laughs> yeah they, they've been holding out they've been holding out we had to wait till 2023 to maybe get a, a USB-C iPhone. Yeah, and when when Schiller presented the Lightning port, I think he was like the connector for the next decade or something like that, probably. And um, and it's basically square on a decade this year. Yeah. Because the iPhone 5 with Lightning was 2012, so yeah. And what, like, may, maybe people will complain and don't care, but the, the bigger frustration lately was when Apple changed the charging end to USB-C at the same time discontinuing the power adapter in the box so you know that that's that's that was more of an issue because then you had to buy a new power brick even though the cable didn't change on your iphone um so but at least all those bricks that you are now buying have USB-C ends on them so when they do change the cable over that you have to buy a new brick which is a positive Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so yeah hopefully we'll see usb USB usb-c on the iphone not this year but but next year Happy Hour This Week is sponsored by Pillow. More and more studies are showing that getting a good night's sleep improves your health and well-being in more ways than you can imagine. Pillow is an all-in-one sleep tracking app to help you be more aware of your sleep patterns and discover what might be affecting your sleep quality. Pillow tracks and analyzes your sleep automatically, and you can check in with a full report of your sleep the very next morning. If you have an Apple Watch, tracking your sleep is as easy as wearing it to bed. If you don't, you can do it through the iPhone or iPad app. Just tap a button to start your sleep session. You can even record sounds of the night like sleep talking, apnea, or other noises that might be affecting how you sleep. Use the Pillow app to check trends, get personalized insights, and compare your sleep metrics with your weight, steps, caffeine consumption, and even more stats. Use smart alarms to get woken up at the most optimal time of the day, aiming to wake you up when you are in the stage 
of lightest sleep. Importantly, Pillow is privacy-minded. All your sleep and audio data is encrypted and stored on your device and in iCloud using end-to-end encryption. Pillow is free to download from the App Store with a set of features that you can use for free every day. You can also try Pillow's premium features with a seven-day free trial. Just visit pillow.app to get started. That's pillow.app to get started. P-I-L-L-O-W dot app to get started. Thanks to Pillow for sponsoring the show. Yep, and I'll add that all of my Apple Watch sleep data comes through Pillow. It's The built-in stuff just isn't enough. And um, there's there's something, having the data over time, even if you don't make progress is, is useful, especially when you make progress though, because then you can be proud of what you've done and it just sort of reaffirms. Um, and, and putting a number on what you're doing helps you know if you're, if you're improving or if you're not. So I love Pillow. Thanks for sponsoring. Ming-Chi Kuo says that Apple will make- Who is completely reliable and never doubted him ever. <laughs> never, ever, ever. Says that Apple will make um, a cheaper Apple TV. How did he put it exactly? It was- he said Apple will launch a new version of Apple TV that improves cost structure in the second half of 2022. Yeah. And so, you know, what are they going to switch from? They're going to put USB-C on it? Oh, it already has that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> change, their, change their remote to USB-C. It's perfect. Um, yeah, cost structure. So, I mean, it doesn't say like it will cost less, but that's the big critique of the Apple TV is that it's so much more expensive for 4K, especially, but even HD than any competitor and maybe it maybe it's because apple doesn't have enough margin to like lower the price or maybe they're yes they do they won't lower it because they have to have a certain room for margin but what do they want 200 percent profit margin like, i think i think on. that's the goal i think that's how they <laughs> that's how they fund tv plus and all that spending um <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah yeah i mean we, we read this as the, the product itself will be cheaper and more competitive than at least the current stuff. And they have so much room to go that they could sell something for 129 and it would be an improvement from from what they sell things today at. But what do you think? Yeah, 100%. Like, of course, Apple's always going to take the premium route. That's what they do in every single product line. Even the iPhone SE, which is their, like, you know, budget iPhone, is still a premium device in pricing and market placement. Even the 329 iPad is still a premium tablet, even though it is their cheapest option. It's not plastic. You know, you can... It's not plastic. You can get $99 Android tablets. I think Amazon announced one this week that's $60. Like, you know, that's the budget end of the spectrum. Apple's never competing in that space ever. And you'd never expect them to because that's not their brand. That's not what they go for. But the Apple TV is so out of whack with the market that it's not even premium. It's just overpriced. Like, if you said it, like you said, it could go to $129, which would be a $20 price drop compared to the HD model, which is the Apple TV HD that came out in seven years ago. Yep. Right? So even if they went from 149 to 129 on that, that would still be insane because like the cheapest Roku stick in the world is like $30, $49, a more expensive one's like $50 that, you, that does 4K. So the, the Apple TV HD isn't a premium product at all. It's just priced with an expensive price for no reason. So let's say you put the Apple TV 4K at 129 more acceptable price than the 179 it currently starts at but it would still be premium in the market but it would be more acceptable you know like it would still be a premium device at 129 that would still be its market placement compared to a 40 dollar rocket roku stick or a 50 dollar amazon fire stick but you're getting quality for that extra 70 dollars and it would still be considered a premium device i think 129 isn't good enough i think it should be 99 dollars like a homepod mini is the homepod mini is still a you know is it's a cheap 
uh than the original handpod was, but it's still considered a premium smart speaker because it's not fighting in that, you know, $50 price point. And it looks a bit nicer. It has a slightly nicer sound. You know, it has it has an appeal. The Apple TV could be $99 too. It would still be considered a premium device. As it stands today, the, the Apple TV pricing is insane. Like, the cost of the Apple TV remote is more than these sticks from Amazon and Roku is. So just the remote on its own. So, it, like, and... Some people want Apple to do a to do a stick, right? Do a different form factor, not a little box, just something you can carry around really small. I think that'd be pretty cool. I'm not convinced Apple's going to do it, and I don't think they have to. Like they've they've put the TV app on Amazon and Roku. That relieves the need for them to do you know the super low end budget devices like the little sticks. If they want to carry on making just the Apple TV set top box, which is more powerful, it can support the latest features like the latest HDMI specs and higher frame rate, HDR, and all the game stuff from Apple Arcade. That's great. Do it. But yeah, like, 129 is like the maximum I feel like is acceptable for that product in, in the current in the current lineup. If they want to make even more high-end Apple TVs that can do even more, even more powerful, you know, M1 chips, super high-powerful graphics, stuff like that. More storage you know, for go, unknown reasons. More storage, yeah, go right ahead. That's the other th- stupid thing. The Apple TV 4K starts at 179 for 32 gigabytes. Then they have the cheek to try and upsell you for an extra 32 gigabyte storage for a 64 gigabyte model for 199. Like, yeah, 200 it's bucks. just insane pricing. Yeah. The Apple TV HD shouldn't exist at all. Like, come on. Like, it shouldn't exist. It, it just only exists because they can't even put the price on the 4K at all. If you remember, go, go pre TVOS, the previous version of Apple TV was sold at, do you remember, Zach? $69. $69. When it went out, when it went away. It was more than... It when was, it went it away. Was, and when it launched, it was $99. Which is a good price. Which is a f- perfectly fine price. 69 was even better, but, you know, you don't expect that in the modern world. So 99 129 that's a much better price bracket. Yeah. So I really hope that's when, where we're going. Went away whenever HBO, uh, what they called it HBO Now, came out, which I think is like 2015, 2016. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's still being updated... Because Apple knows that if they want to have TV Plus subscribers, it needs to be everywhere. And so channels are going away on that box because it's so not supported because it isn't sold anymore. But it it's still like they could continue. They can make a new version of that and it would be good. Yeah, like you don't have to do everything that the Apple TV now is trying to do. You could make something much more streamlined and only do like the, the video streaming apps and nothing else. If you If that's the way to get a cheaper price point. From our perspective, then yes, they should do that because they just, they just need a cheaper option. Like the Apple TV is really nice, but nobody's going to buy it when its price starting price is one hundred and seventy nine dollars. It's just mm-hmm. insanely expensive. So ninety nine, one twenty nine, good. I still think at that price, Apple could easily make solid profit margins on it. They're not making a loss, you know. They're doing fine, and it's just a receptacle to sell services through anyway. So if they want to take a more holistic view of it, they are one hundred percent going to make make returns on this thing. It's a perfect ecosystem play. Make it cheaper. Thank you. Hopefully we'll come back in six months and it actually is. And it's not like a Apple Watch Series 3 situation where they introduce yet another model and it's like an Apple Watch SE and it's still really expensive. So I hope that's not the case. I hope it's actually just straight up cheaper and the HD goes away. Apple TV SE. What we got? Uh, Mark Garman says that iOS 16 will include, quote, fresh Apple apps. Which I I say that means that's the name of the food delivery service that they're working on. Fresh. That's what he's talking about there. Who knows what else? Uh, what what have you got on this? What do you think about this? Yeah, so this was in his newsletter thing, and he said, while I don't expect Apple to present a full redesign of the software, there should be major changes across the system in iOS 16, new ways of interacting, and some fresh Apple apps. 
the news about WatchOS 9 will be significant as well. So on the iOS 16 part, I guess fresh Apple apps means Apple apps that haven't existed before. Is that is that how you'd read that? I almost Or does read... it just mean like updated versions of the current apps? There should be, uh, is in the territory of newsletter can be more speculative. You know, Apple should make iPad that, that has Mac OS on it, he says. So does should mean that there should be changes? There should be new ways of interacting. There should be some fresh Apple apps. Like that's what he thinks there should be. You know? I think no. I think that's based on sourcing, right? That's not his opinion. Okay. Like normally his opinion is like I think he's he's saying I don't expect Apple to present. There should be new ways of interacting some fresh Apple apps. Uh, so I, I think he's saying this is based on some sourcing at least. It, but it's it is ambiguous that it could encompass a wide range of actual changes. Yeah. I think fresh Apple apps can reasonably be interpreted to mean. An Apple app that hasn't existed before is like a stocking app. I think uh, if you want to speculate, a direct good example of that would be like a passwords app because like they that, keep huh? layering features into that passwords UI that's like buried into settings. But it's it's just not accessible as a setting screen. It needs to be top level. Apple should just make a passwords app. It clearly justifies its its position as an actual separate app more so than some of the other stock apps they include like you know, measure or whatever else mm-hmm, that no one touches. Mm-hmm. Passwords is really good. Passwords is a really good service provided by Apple with nice keychain support. And they keep adding more and more features to it every single year. And they just committed to that FIDO Alliance thing for like passwordless logins. So there's even more need for well, that, more that UI around the, it. That means that the password app would go away. No, it, it doesn't. Because you you'd still have to have an interface to like manage which apps you've authenticated to access what. So it would be like, passwords encompass and then it would have like two-factor logins and other stuff inside it if you see what i mean and that fido thing is a long-term vision it's not gonna it's not gonna happen overnight on every single website so the the password autofilling stuff is still gonna survive for a long time so you're gonna need a password manager for the very very super future and using shortcuts using shortcuts to put on your home screen and have the app experience is not good enough using shortcuts to make something that should be a feature is never good enough shortcuts should only be useful for things that are niche that that would not get a lot of it apple just can't prioritize but this is not one of those things yeah and by it being limited to a second screen they can't put like you know like a tab bar at the bottom for like nicer navigation sure yeah yeah so there's if they could make it as a standalone app yeah 80 percent of the design would be the same as what it is inside the password inside the settings app but that 20 percent matters and just the presence of it having a dedicated icon helps a lot because otherwise i think the only way people ever find it is through the keyboard thing and then if something ever goes wrong with the keyboard autofill or they want to like customize it or configure, they they literally don't know where to find it. So having just having an icon for it on the home screen cannot be cannot be undervalued. The fresh Apple apps thing could also mean like Apple Music Classical, which obviously we know is happening. They've already said they're gonna do it this year. And I guess if you you know, thinking logistically that should only be like an app store download, but I would not be surprised if it's like a stock app. I mean, they ship stock apps of like clips and all sorts of stuff these days. So even though a lot of people are just going to delete it, maybe that could be a fresh app app as well, which wouldn't exactly be exciting, but it would at least make Mark Gurman correct. Fresh. Fresh, yeah. Uh, In general, there's obviously not going to be like a massive UI redesign a la like iOS 7 or anything, but I think we're going to see more of a trend towards like bottom focused UIs and they'll probably add some more like trays that come up from the bottom in more places it'd be interesting to see if they try and do something as drastic as the 
Safari redesign that they tried in iOS 15, and you know that caused a whole bunch of controversy that lasted the entire beta period. They finally landed on something really good, I think, but it took them a while, and that probably scared them off from doing crazy changes. Without... Beta two was best. It took, you took it from me. Everyone, <laughs> everyone with a podcast took it from me. No, beta two wasn't best. I'm sorry, sir. That's a, that's a, on a complete side. It'd be interesting to see whether those settings to like get the compact mode or the um, color tinting stuff. Or that even on like the iPhone today, you can still switch between bottom address bar or top address bar. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether iOS 16 removes those options or whether they just keep them around for a bit longer to try and see if people want them or not. Uh, but yeah, I think it'll be interesting. It will be curious. I'll be looking out for whether there's like another Apple app where they try and do like a drastic change, like the Safari situation. What apps do you think you can, is one? You can you can put bottom trays in apps without changing the overall navigation structure messages, which is what they tried with safari messages needs it they put the most recent they put your penned and your most recent chats at top mm-hmm. and then all you're working in the app is from a keyboard which is at the bottom so flip that around that'd be nice there's always a problem with that though because like it's ergonomically better to put it at the bottom but it looks uglier like there's a reason you put like the title at the top of the screen because it looks prettier so you, you get used to anything though true yeah, okay. yeah. but th- that's why they're always going to have a bit of a fight on their hands like safari got away with it i don't know if you could you can't like directly translate what safari did to every single app on the yeah. system at, a, at a certain point like if you just rearrange from bottom up then then you could make the case for everything including like settings you know which i, I don't think that wins out and then on the watchOS 9 side of what mark said uh he called it significant Remember, in April, he had a report that mentioned like the low power mode changes, so you'd be able to like use apps while in the more low power mode state. He also said that there would be uh, like significant changes to like almost every watch face, and we talked about how they might modernize some of the older faces that haven't received the attention they deserve. So, uh, it, although that's he only said the news about watches now be significant, he's obviously presaged in the past some specifics there, which are cool, and um, I'm sure we'll talk about like our. You know, WCC expectations and wish lists in a in a future episode before yeah, drop the drop series three from support. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's significant. And uh, in the continuing saga of the in person event, uh, that the, you know the special day that they're doing for Does, keynote exist. viewings and and, and meet and greet, it, it does exist at time of recording. However, there is a good chance it might get cancelled because Apple has this week uh, delayed the continued rollout of their. Uh, back to work plan so they, they 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 went from one day a week to two days a week with the the eye to move to three days a week working from the office for employees at apple park but with the uprising of covid uh, breakouts recently they have now said that they're not going to do that for safety they're going to limit it at two days a week because you know covid's really going to be cut down from a one day difference but anyway that's their logic and they're also requiring mask wearing again in their campus uh in public spaces i believe so They've kind of backtracked on some of that stuff, but so far they haven't said that it's not safe for a thousand people to descend on the campus on June the sixth. So that's a slight contradiction, but maybe they will cancel it. <laughs> and people are buying flights. <laughs> it's, yeah. So, huh? What about mm-hmm. that? Yeah, yeah. The 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 saying two days is safe, but three days was is not as a real head scratcher to me. It's. Something it is else. pretty bizarre. But. Yeah. I mean, I know. Why they, they, I mean, you can argue that it's one. It's it's a third less exposure opportunity, but you know, COVID won't discriminate against the day of the week. So it also helps them a little on the um, employee retention side because everyone's well, <laughs> complaining about the the work from home policy. So if they can blame COVID to extend it out a bit longer, I guess that's more time they can 
reconsider a, a work from home policy. Well, they already they already lost the the machine learning guy. He went back to Google. Google. So. Mm-hmm. He's off to Google. Yeah, which he was at before he came to Apple. But yeah, so <laughs> fingers crossed, uh, the in person event will actually happen because I want it to happen. Otherwise, Zach won't let me hear the end of it. <laughs> uh, next up, Happy Hour is sponsored by LinkedIn Jobs. Spring is in the air. It's a great time for renewal and growth, both personally and professionally. As your small business grows, LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people that you want to talk to faster and for free. You can create a free job post in just minutes using LinkedIn Jobs, and your post will reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. And when you add your job post, you can then add the job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word even more to signal that you are hiring and boosting the reach across your personal network so they can help you connect to the right people. LinkedIn Jobs also has simple tools like screening questions to make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience for what you're looking for so you can target the most qualified applicants and quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and ultimately hire. And that's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs the number one job site in delivering quality hires compared to the leading competition. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash happy hour. That's linkedin.com slash happy hour to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks to LinkedIn Jobs for sponsoring the show. Thanks, LinkedIn Jobs. You know, all, all of my job offers over the years have come from LinkedIn. Incredible. Yeah, including from Apple several years ago. Didn't happen. Uh, Apple Podcasts has improved in iOS 15.5. This podcast should be 10% funnier, 15% snappier, more insightful. Those are the changes. <laughs> yeah, so in iOS 15.5, they added new options to limit the uh, like downloaded episode storage device. So previously, this was like a per podcast setting where you'd have to like individually click on every single podcast and say delete episodes that you've played after two hours 24 hours or something and now they've upgraded it so it's just like a global setting in pod in, and i think the default is like automatic so it will clear them out for you without without people having to worry about you know digging into the settings and changing it i think this is in direct response to issues where average people were going about their day and then they'd subscribe to the podcast and you know time moves on and then the app set up so that it's not deleting any of the episodes and then their whole phone is full of storage based on podcast episodes that are from six months ago that they've already heard. And so it was kind of an awkward behavior for the you know, pre-installed Apple Podcast app to chew up so much space in that way. So they've corrected that. Uh, you can go in, you can turn off the automatic, you can say like, keep episodes for 24 hours, 48 hours, a week, two weeks, a month, or always and just manage it manually. But the defaults are going to be what most people want, which is after you've listened to a podcast episode, it won't be stored on your device for eternity anymore, uh, which is a nice change. They're also presenting the annual subscription option a lot more prominently when people subscribe to uh, Apple Podcast subscriptions like the Happy Hour Ad Free podcast. Uh, we've always had an, a yearly option as well as a monthly option. But before this update, the yearly option, you'd have to like dig into the settings subscription screen to actually switch to it. Now they're showing it as like an option when you immediately go to sign up, which is nice. Uh, and they announced that a new delegated delivery program that will allow people like us to upload, manage, and distribute their audio 
through participating hosting providers because it's kind of a pain right now that they don't have like an api or anything for the subscriber audio you have to like manually go to a website and upload it uh, and you have to like fill in all the information manually and it's a bit of a pain they've relented and today they're announced well this week they've announced the delegated delivery thing which in partnership with a load of popular podcast networks like libsyn and acast you basically be able to like connect your apple podcast account and so you'll be able to upload your episodes in the same workflow that you upload the normal shows that go over rss so that should help increase adoption of apple podcast subscriptions in general because a big barrier right now is just that it's a hard and annoying and it requires a lot of admin and process to do mm-hmm. uh, so with this change they're obviously hoping to get more people on board and get more publishers on board because they won't have to like use different tools they can just upload to the same place that they upload everything else which is nice you remember years ago whenever EdIQ teased out like i think it was in like a new york times article or something um like exciting new podcast features and we were very excited because it was the first time in years that the app would change i don't even remember what the features were but this feels healthier than even that like this is this is paying attention to how people use podcasts. Um, how, how do you handle the download situation? I, I have on every device, including my MacBook Air, streaming only. And then if I'm going on a flight or something, I'll just manually download an episode before uh, ahead of time. Maybe if I had a Mac Studio, I would, I would take advantage of some of that extra space. But how do you use uh, downloads? How do you manage that? I have them download. I don't do streaming only. And you just rely on playing? Most because I'm listening... Uh, not because I'm going on a plane, but like even where I live, our like mobile um, data service is very patchy. So a lot of the time, when I listen to a podcast on a walk, uh, the signal isn't there. So if it's not downloaded, I can't listen to it. Uh, so I have them download and then delete after X amount of time. I have noticed, especially on the Mac, the podcast app on the Mac is worse at actually deleting the episodes in really? accordance with the settings you've chosen. Like the iPhone seems to do it pretty well. Like you you plug it in overnight, and if you've listened to the episodes and it's beyond the time set that you've chosen, it deletes. The podcast app on Mac, maybe it's. I mean, I haven't actually. Obviously, this is only what I've experienced up to now. The feature rollout applies to the Mac too of this week with the Mac OS update. So maybe it's better now. But previously, I'd always go. You know that um, like you can go like about this Mac manage storage that screen. Yes. It would have podcasts in there from like seven months ago, just sitting there. That so <laughs> you'd have like gigabytes upon gigabytes of just podcast episodes that could be deleted that for some reason the podcast app hadn't done. But maybe now with the Mac OS update that also includes the Apple Podcasts update, that would actually be better behaved too on the Mac, not just on iOS. But yeah, I have them set to download. Yeah, and the annual plan stuff—that's pretty cool. I'm glad that they're promoting that more. You know, I feel like we don't get as much listener feedback on Twitter or email these days, which is, you know, totally fine. Um, but also, you know, I, I, sometimes I feel like I don't look at the stats anymore. And our audio editor, Seth Krakowski, handles everything with editing and, you know, manually uploading the paid episode to Apple's website, all of that. Um, but it, if not for the paid subscribers, I'm not so sure that I would think anyone was listening anymore. So. <laughs> So, so if you want me to know that you're still a listener, subscribe for a year, and I'll feel wonderful about it. Uh, that, that's all very, very well and good. And and with, I guess my question for the the delegated stuff is that so so we just we we have our own like homebrewed version of podcast hosting through WordPress, so that we can take advantage of our WordPress plan versus using another provider. Um, 
and it sounds like you said that we'd be able to tap into that and use it even though we're not one of the i mean no i don't think we would. Oh, oh you don't think so okay no i think like people at large that use the i think you have to be like approved but to get your platform oh, on there okay. so like okay. apple's so, like agreed it with libsyn and stuff but right okay you can't so, just use it as an individual I don't so think. so our, our poor audio editor seth kukasi he'll still be uploading to podcast connect and filling yeah, it may, maybe by the time it comes out they'll offer like a public api or something or they'll like test it with these people at first and then it will eventually become just a generic, a generic API, but for now yeah. they haven't announced that. Yeah. Okay. All right. And the 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 obviously the the iOS fifteen point five is already out. The yearly subscription is in that. The downloading policy changes in that. But the, the delegated delivery stuff doesn't launch until the fall. So gotcha. they announced it, but it's not coming out for many months. Okay. Get, getting it out of the way before WWDC. Mm-hmm. We also had the incredible getting out before WWDC update of iOS fifteen point six beta. Yes, oh, it's a it's a game changer. Loaded with bug fixes and improvements. <laughs> Probably yes, we don't. We can find anything new. Yeah, maybe this might be an update that includes Apple Music Classical. Maybe I feel like that can be any software version. I mean, I know it's in the code. There's been code references in the last yeah. few versions. So maybe there maybe there is a minimum version of iOS that's required, but that it will be an app store download because I feel like classical is so niche that you can't have it hard code like a not like, even if it's like a pre-installed but deletable. I feel like even to put it on at first is a little much. Maybe you suggested if you're an Apple Music and you have classical genre in your library already. Um and 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 there's not a huge benefit to just pushing it as a pre-install from the app store or a pre-install like stocks is and you can get rid of it and recover it uh because it's not like it's an additional membership so for apple i mean the the appeal i guess is to keep subscribers who are into classical music and maybe gain or get new subscribers i guess yeah yeah but but it's not a whole new service where it's like it's competing against apple music it's the same content, just organized better, which apparently has taken a while. Yeah. I bet it'd be good. I bet. I mean, I I don't really have any interest in classical music, but this is like the this has got to be like their biggest investment in that. That's so, um, you know, centered on just one tiny thing. It's very specific. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I reckon it will have a minimum OS requirement because they'll probably have to like put like hooks into like the apple music app to like direct people to go to it and stuff maybe it's not installed but like you'll yeah. it'll require i was 15.6 or later to use because you know in settings or whatever you have to like mention apple music classical in this these places or the apple music app have to know about it and stuff so that's that's why i think it will have like an os requirement where they pre-install it is yet to be seen you make a good point though that they're not going to make additional money out of it so there isn't that perverse incentive to worry about but yeah they're, they're more into harry styles taking over your your app for, <laughs> for a live concert one night only <laughs> uh, and then on the beta train situation mark german said in a tweet that ios 16 beta 3 is currently scheduled to be the first public beta in july i think the last two years it was beta 2 was the public beta um I think it was the third beta if you go back a few more years. So they, they flip-flopped. But the last, at least, least, least for iOS 14 and 15, it was the second developer beta was the public beta. And Mark says that the third beta is currently scheduled to be uh, that. And he says the reason for that is that current internal builds are, quote, a bit buggy. 
So Apple needs a bit more time to get cool. the OS in a good enough shape for the public beta to be stable enough. Yeah, that that almost suggests to me, I mean, they could be behind schedule and it could be a, a you know, the factor is remote. Um, but it also, I mean, in normal conditions, it would suggest to me that it's a more ambitious update than mm-hmm. years past. Like, I feel like iOS 15, maybe it was 14, but I feel like iOS 15 was one of those betas that you could install from maybe the second one and you could run it all summer and there wasn't anything show-stopping. Whereas, yeah. you know, if it's a much more ambitious update then lots of opportunities for things to break you know, while while they while it's in beta so it kind of gives me hope that it's a little bit more ambitious i agree yeah when i saw mark tweet this i was like yeah it may, even though it probably means that beta one's going to be terrible i'm still yeah. going to install it day one but <laughs> it probably means there's going to be more cool features in there compared to like, at least i was 15 like 15 was fine but it was more subdued right yeah yeah I, I wouldn't have called it significant i'd have called it an update Mm-hmm. So there, I mean, there were some fresh apps, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we 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 will obviously talk more about uh, WBC stuff before June six. So yeah, yeah, next week or the week after. Remember, remember with iOS seven when the iPad beta was like weeks behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then- iOS seven was such a train wreck in so many ways. Yeah, even it when was it bad through the beta season, it was bad when it came out. <laughs> yeah, like, your phone would just reset, like restart. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And they changed the designer stuff like four times over in the space of like three months. It was like the Safari calamity of iOS 15, but, but like for the entire operating system. <laughs> yeah. Well, like the very first beta had like a super thin font. Like the typeface was so thin. And then the very next update, it was like normal again. I loved it and back then, but I was also like 22 and could see. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, I don't think we're going to have anything that crazy, but. I'm hoping for that lock screen change and stuff. Again, we'll talk about that more probably next week in just hopes and dreams of iOS 16. Happy Hour is also sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Check them out at betterhelp.com slash machappyhour. Burnout affects us all. Work life bleeds into personal life. It becomes overwhelming. Symptoms of burnout include lack of motivation, feeling hopeless or trapped, detachment from others, fatigue, and more. I'm sure this is something that we can all relate to. I know it's happened to me before. Burnout is usually associated with work stuff, but it isn't just about work. Overworking yourself is not the only cause. Any of the myriad of things that we do in our daily lives can lead us to feel burned out. BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you to prioritise yourself. Talking with someone can help you figure out what is causing stress in your life. Like it or not, we're in a world that's always telling us to push harder and do more, with pressures to sleep less and grind. But really, you need a reminder to take care of yourself and trying some therapy is a great part of that. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and 95 Mac Happier listeners can get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash machappyhour. That's betterhelp.com slash machappyhour, spelt B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash machappyhour. Betterhelp.com slash machappyhour. Thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring the show. Yeah, thanks, BetterHelp. I'm a huge proponent of talk therapy. It's helped me out tremendously over the years. And to to, to uh, search out and seek out any form of therapy as a feature, not a bug, that you should be happy that it's a good thing. Um, so, and this just makes it much easier. So I love it. Thanks, BetterHelp.
oh, we've got some accessibility features that everyone calls iOS 16, of course, because they're coming later this year. So <laughs> this, this, this happened last year as well. Um, yeah. But uh, for uh, Global Accessibility Awareness Day, God, I got that right, right? Mm-hmm. They announced some new features, and they're all pretty cool, as they often are. So what's new? Yeah, so they, they announced like a whole bunch of stuff. I think the headline features were door detection, which Apple says can help users locate a door upon arriving at a new destination. You can open the magnifier app and you can put it in a detection mode and you can walk around with your phone. And if you're like, obviously, if you have impaired vision, you, the, the phone will alert you with audio whether you're close to a draw, d- close to a door and it can describe like if the door is open or closed, how far away it is and whether the door can be opened by just a push or you have to turn a knob or you have to pull a handle. And it can also read like the text on the door, so symbols. So like if you go up to uh, a shop, it could say like closed door, seven feet away, text muffin to right home of our bakery. So you get some context without having to like directly look, obviously, if you have vision issues, which is cool. Um, this requires the an iPhone or an iPad with a LiDAR scanner. It doesn't work with anything else. Mm-hmm. But just for the precision is necessary. I presume so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it's cool. Um, obviously, we're not quite the target market for it, but you can imagine this like realm of detection feature coming in handy in future, maybe with a AR device of some description, like maybe not detecting the doors, but even even for even for vision, like knowing like distance away or having like position on a street, like some kind of future Apple Maps integration as well. Obviously, it wouldn't be in the same you know accessibility focused like magnifier app but like if the night if a phone could know where doors are and read the text on them it could probably also like match up your destination during a navigation to the real world and then direct you straight to the door so all of these things have implications beyond the accessibility versions but the apps the accessibility features are cool on their own too for the people that need them there's a really cool apple support video on youtube that shows a demonstration of this and it's an it's a a woman walking her dog and with a walking aid um and she uses this feature and it just kind of shows you how seamless it is and i also just love any use of lidar i think lidar is cool technology to everyone but elon musk and um, <laughs> <laughs> and any any use of it on the iPhone, whether it's for improving photography or um, you know making more accurate measurements, uh, I love use of lidar. So I'm happy. That, yeah, and uh, they haven't used it too much so far. That's right. Uh, the next like big feature is live captions for the again for if you're like deaf or you're hard of hearing, you can use live captions to basically transcribe any audio from the system. It will hear the audio and transfer and translate the speech to text that you can just read visually on the screen. This works in like a FaceTime call, any social media or video app, streaming media content, or even if you're just talking to somebody next to you, it can use the microphone to also transcribe what it's hearing directly. And they the kind of transcriptions appear in this like notification bubble at the top of the screen. And if you have a this works system wide with any audio, but I think apps can also then like customize it slightly so in the facetime example they have the text is annotated with the speaker's name and their little picture um so if it works like system-wide but a, an app can you know hook into it and give it a bit more information too and apple said even on the if you're on the mac you can type back in that box and it will be spoken aloud to people on the facetime call so there's some 
you know deeper stuff there but the high level thing is any system-wide audio could be transcribed to text and again you don't have to be hard of hearing to want subtitles on things yeah the i think the most popular use of generated subtitles is autoplaying videos without sound mm-hmm. this is, you know you can you can watch those and engage without without going all the way in lots of situations where you want to use your iphone but you don't have headphones and you don't want to play what you're you know have audio come from your phone um and a lot of people use captions on tv shows and movies and i i do sometimes and and there's that awesome feature on on the apple tv where you say siri what did they say and then it rewinds 30 seconds and uses captions for that period um so lots of situations where it's very useful but it's one of those features where it doesn't feel like sci-fi. It, you know, you can perfectly understand how they're doing it. And so... And to be fair, Google's done something with this with Android before. Like, I yeah, think they had a live caption thing last year that was system-wide as well. Like, every social media app has a version of it for their autoplay videos without sound. So, um, so it, it's, you know, I say that, you know, I bring that up just to say that um, it will be tremendously useful for lots of different uses, especially if you're hard-hearing or deaf. And, um, and hopefully, you know, hopefully it goes well. Yeah. And obviously the, the transcriptions are powered by the neural engine in the phone. So it should be quite fast. We'll have to see how well, like the trend, the quality of the transcription is, but if it's anything like the dictation that they have in modern iPhones, I think it's pretty good. Like, is it, is it perfect? Is it as good as like Google's? Probably not, but it's not, you know, it's not an embarrassment by any means. It's perfectly usable. So if it's based on that technology, it will you know, be a good feature. And then the other like interesting one to me was Apple Watch mirroring. So you have your iPhone, you have your Apple Watch. There will be like an option to AirPlay mirror your Apple Watch's screen to the iPhone in a little card, and you can like interact with your Apple Watch by using your iPhone screen, essentially by like zooming up the Apple Watch screen if you can't see the small display of the watch itself. Is that like this is the one that I, I if if you if you have trouble like that why would you buy an Apple Watch? <laughs> well, there's um lots of reasons I think. Um I can imagine someone who's older who wears the watch for fall detection or heart related features, you know. Yeah, that's fair. The, the EKG yeah. feature, um, high heart rate alerts, all the things that end up being a story of Apple Watch saves lives. Um, a lot, a lot of, you know, that uh, I think that audience or that user base is just naturally susceptible to lower vision. Um, and this is one that does feel cooler to me, like like more sci-fi, like because the Apple Watch when it was brand new. I kind of could never imagine airplaying that screen to somewhere else. And so it does feel... Yeah, it was nowhere near powerful enough. Yeah. And neither is the current lineup of Apple Watches. It's just the Series 6 and Series 7, which I think is the first new feature for the Series 6. Uh, And it doesn't include the SE, which is... The SE is very light on health features, and and that's something I hope they address this year with with a second-generation SE. Uh, and of course, the Series Three just can't do anything anymore beyond like tracking the workout. So, and and, and it will support the Series Eight, it's, of course, you know, and it'll pr- proliferate through the lineup unless Apple continues to sell the Series Three and the and the SE in its current shape. So, it, I I hope that the new SE can support this feature if they do mm-hmm. go that route. Um, 
because it's 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 a really nice one. And it you know it also reminds me that there's so many things I wish you could do from the iPhone that you have to look at the the Apple Watch screen for. Um, I love the Apple Watch screen. I've got the Series Seven. The display is awesome. I'm you know I'm happy enough with the watch faces that like when I was looking for a mechanical watch, I was kind of disappointed that I couldn't have them be the way I want them, and um, and just bought an Apple Watch instead. There are things like starting a workout. I just wish, you know, I've got my phone in my hand. I'm like playing music or whatever and I'm looking at it. I wish I could just say start workout there. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or or get any alert on your iPhone that you can get on your watch, you know, if it's in your hand. Um, but, the, you know, just having this feature is, is, is nice. I, th- I think, I mean, you you can interact with the watch, right? Like it isn't just AirPlay for like the display or, or I don't know the answer to that. Do you still have to interact with your finger on the on the screen of the watch, or can you do it remotely from from the phone? I don't. They know didn't that. make it clear. Right, right. They promote using assistive features like voice control, sure. voice commands, head tracking, or external made for iPhone switches. Yeah, as alternatives to tapping and display. Uh, so that kind of suggests that you can't interact with it, maybe. But yeah, I feel like you should. But like, if they can stream the video, I feel like they can send. A couple of touches back and forth, you know. Me too. Yeah. So hopefully that that actually so, works. So that TB, way. TBD, but all around, these are wonderful feature additions coming this year. Uh, one more downer. Sorry, on live captions, it's launching as only in the US and Canada. Okay. Sorry. For you yep. in the UK. The British English is <laughs> once again having to wait. <laughs> the origin of the language. Uh, just to uh, that was like the three high level big things. Just to give you a quick summary of the smaller stuff, they're launching voiceover in twenty additional languages. They are adding the ability to con- customize how long Siri waits before responding to request. This is for people with speech disabilities because if you you know you you say a command then you have to wait for Siri to answer, but that delay is what Siri uses to start processing what you've said. If you have a speech impediment or or an issue, sometimes you naturally interrupted by you'd be interrupted by series cutting you off essentially which is nice they're adding buddy controller i love this feature yeah which means a second person can help you play a game so basically rather than if you're using an mfi game controller uh but you you know you you need assistance uh you can use a second person to pair another mfi game controller at the same time so multiple controllers can drive the input for a single player yeah i i could really have used this feature in the past with my son. It's like he got into the gaming to the Apple TV. And initially it was fine for me to just kind of take his controller and then give him one that isn't doing anything. And he, you know, did, would buy into that. But he's of the age now where that doesn't work anymore. But he still isn't, um, you know, skilled enough to, to be very, very good at, at games. And there's often times where, um, you know, helping him out along the way would be useful. So this is a very good feature. They're adding a sound recognition where you can, like, if the iPhone hears a like a an alarm sound or a doorbell, you can train it for your personal alarms and doorbells and appliances in your house. You like register it by making it make a noise and then you know like doing it, setting up through settings. So in the future, if those noises are heard by the phone, it can give you a notification. So if you do have hard of hearing, you can still get alerted to issues like alarms or doorbells or appliances. This doesn't require like home kit or any other smarts is just doing it based on audio which is a nice a nice concession kind of, kind of and, you think uh, how, how could you hack that i mean just you know work around the intended use case of like if you have um 
a, your your washing machine or your dryer has a as a, a sound that it plays whenever it's finished. Train it to that, and then you get the alert from your phone with, that you might not get otherwise if it's not a, a Wi Fi connected washer or dryer. I feel like there's ways you could you could kind of use the feature and and as as you know not as is intended but still benefit. Yeah, quite possibly. And uh, the Apple Books app is getting theme option and advanced text customization options such as ability to bold the text, adjust the line and word spacing. Yeah, bit of a random inclusion in this list for the Apple yeah. Books app. Maybe there's going to be a bigger thing for books coming at some point. Yeah, that 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 streaming. I forget which site it was, but it was just like a one-off report that Apple was working on a streaming, or or they were working on a book subscription service of some kind. Yeah, um, hasn't materialized. There was also that like year-end services press release that included Apple Books being like not subscription. I think. Uh, as if to take a you can download and own your books compared to blah 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 is how it was written yeah (laughs) yeah um still would be cool 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 i think cooler than some other services that apple has so Mm -hmm. no i wish they did even if they just do a few original books they can roll it in with apple one and bob's your uncle you can read them bob is your uncle kettle of fish ruder (laughs) (laughs) greatest hits mac os 12.4 came out yeah, I got to install the Studio Display firmware update. There were so many reboots. There was the re. I, I, I had to have the update on the Mac to see the update on the display. I think, and I feel like that shouldn't be the case. Once it's out of beta, you should just be able to update the display on its own. And maybe it was just too soon when I was checking it, but it's not. You have to update the Mac first. That's a requirement. <laughs> That's silly. Uh, there were so many update. Like, uh, it took it took ages. Is what I'm saying. Um, the Mac had to had to reboot like twice for the Mac OS update, and then I could see the the display update, and then that required the Mac to reboot as well after installation for it to take effect. Felt felt very very um, like PC. Uh, didn't didn't love that, but got the update. Now I I was already in a situation where my monitor is in front of. I tweeted out a photo of this where it's in front of two big glass doors, and then next to me are two other big glass doors. And so there's a lot of sunlight coming in. So, which I, I love this setup because I kind of get that effect of it's brighter in the background than my display, um, which I think is just good mentally. And, and yeah. So, but uh, it's updated and I, it's better. Yeah. It's better. <laughs> <laughs> the, Was it worth the reboot time? <laughs> yeah. The, the, the framing, I think, is the bigger thing. Um, where if you're not using center stage, you would need to lean your your monitor forward, almost, you know, literally, uh, to to be more centered. And they've improved that, and I I appreciate that they in the release notes for the former update they listed all of the improvements that they were attempting to do, which was just kind of a a, a list of all the things that they they missed at release, um. So I'm, I'm glad that the reviews were kind of harsh in some situ- in some instances, and they did this change because if they never did the change, then you just always have this silly webcam. So um, glad glad they improved. Like like that isn't even so, uh, you know it's not your opinion whether the framing was good or bad. It wasn't like the eye of the beholder. It was just bad, you know. And they fixed that, so I'm, I'm glad. I have used a lot of group FaceTime with my Space Explored friends, and. Because you're cropped into a box with with group FaceTime and not a wide shot, um, 
I don't feel like it made a big difference for center stage there or center stage being off even, but um, it's pretty good. And the, I I like center stage. I've said that from the beginning. I, you know, I think it's very much appropriate for a a Mac display, a Mac of any kind. And it's, and um, our colleague, Aaron, who does social media for nine to five Mac and is from space explored. He uses FaceTime primarily from his iPad Pro, which which has center stage as well. And it's very cool to see him like it's 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 I don't know if immersive is the word, but it just feels much more personal that when he like leaves the room or like goes across the room, it pans out and then you mm-hmm. see like that action and then it follows him back. So even if you're not doing the person beside you, so it zooms out feature, it, it, I think it's it's I like center stage. Yeah, Apple said, quote, it refines camera tuning, including improved noise reduction, contrast, and framing. And I think refines is a good way to put it. Like, it shipped in an unacceptable condition. They've brought it up to the quality that I kind of expected to be from day one. It's not a dramatic difference. It's not turning a, you know, it's not super high resolution anymore. It's not super more detailed or looks crazy different. But, like, cases where the iPad Pro would give you better saturation make your skin actually look like skin and not like pale white or like that's the ipad pro uh center stage camera would do it correctly the studio display would not now the studio display from all the examples i've seen basically behaves like the ipad pro front camera does yeah so it, it wasn't a bug it was just they just wasn't tuned yeah <laughs> they, they've done the work now <laughs> and about the reboot experience i agree that's kind of um annoying and dumb this is probably the last firmware update this display ever gets. <laughs> don't say so that. So I don't think they care too much. Like it, 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 you know, it runs on an A15 or an A13 chip or whatever, and it runs a version of iOS. But now that this update's come out, that wouldn't technically never have been required in the first instance. I don't think it's going to be like a a platform where they provide regular software updates to it that does crazy new stuff it's just not that kind of product i demand and, a firmware update for every major mac os version if not every point release and and the fact that it doesn't include antennas for like independent bluetooth or wi-fi kind of limits any possibility of like a remote airplay or you know standalone airplay stuff so if that is something they want to do they're going to come out with a studio display too they're not going to give you a firmware update for it finally this week happy hour is sponsored by upstart If you're carrying the burden of high interest debt, perhaps that's multiple credit cards and only paying off the minimums, it's a tough situation to ever see the light at the end of the tunnel, and often it can be even harder to ask for help. It's just a discouraging cycle all round. Well, that's where Upstart comes in to help you. Upstart-powered personal loans can help you pay down high interest debt all online with simple and easy-to-understand payment terms. Whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high interest debt, or funding personal expenses, Upstart can help you get one fixed monthly payment with a clear and transparent payoff date. Upstart has already helped more than 1.8 million customers on their path to financial freedom. Rather than looking at just your credit score, Upstart's models consider other factors like your income, employment, and other information provided in your loan application to help you find a smarter rate for your loan. You can check your rate in minutes for loans between $1,000 to $50,000 without impacting your credit score. And you can receive funds in as fast as one business day after accepting your loan. Don't wait and check your rate today at upstart.com slash happy hour. That's upstart, U-P-S-T-A-R-T dot com slash happy hour to check your rate today. Don't forget to use our URL to let them know 
that we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income and certain other information provided in your loan application. One more time, go to upstart.com slash happy hour. Thanks to Upstart for sponsoring the show. Several months ago, there was a story that Disney had special privileges, imagine that, where they could up they could they could raise the price of their monthly subscription on the app store without you having to basically say i agree with that change or yeah you know I, for any other app effectively if the price goes up you have to confirm you want to stay subscribed or else you're going to be let go as a subscriber and I guess the test went well enough that Apple is making this available to anybody. Yeah, that became like like Disney te- like was doing it. People like inquired. Apple said it was a test run. Yeah, and fast forward to now, they're rolling it out to everybody. It's a feature now. It's a feature, not a bug. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the specific terms are that a auto renewing subscription from Apple, so an in app purchase subscription, can the price can increase as long as. The increase doesn't occur more than once per year, doesn't exceed five dollars, or fifty percent of the or and fifty percent of the subscription price, or it doesn't exceed fifty dollars and fifty percent if it's an annual subscription, and obviously in compliance with local laws. In these situations, when prices increase, Apple will always notify users in advance, including email, push notification, and a message within the app itself. Uh, Apple will also notify users of how to view, manage, and cancel subscriptions if they want to do that instead. Uh, for all subscriptions that are above those thresholds, subscribers still must explicitly opt in before the price increase is applied. So, if you have a like an, a five dollars five dollar a month subscription app, and now they increase the price to ten dollars, you'd still get an opt in yeah, consent that's, that's, because that's, that's more than fifty percent of five dollars. Yeah, so seven fifty would be okay. They could go right? to seven fifty, yeah, and you wouldn't get to say no. It would just happen unless you cancelled explicitly, but you would get a email alert, a push notification, and when you launch the app, it would say, you know, Acme app is increasing its subscription starting on this date to this price, and there'll be a link to go off to the managed subscription screen if you want to cancel. Like, this is technically anti-consumer because it's relaxing a policy that was very consumer-friendly, but I think it's ultimately just a practical change that kind of brings in-app purchase in line with the policies of, like, every other subscription on the planet because <laughs> even apple's own subscriptions that aren't app store subscriptions like apple one or icloud or apple care anything like that if the price of those goes up apple can just do it as long as they notify you you don't they don't you don't have to get explicit permission they don't have to get your consent to do it they just do it like if if the icloud pricing changes they will send you an email saying the price is going to change and then the price changes like you don't it is it is it, 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 it's not. It wasn't as favourable as what the in-app purchase system was because most subscriptions on Earth that weren't in-app purchase worked in this manner. People are just used to the fact that you subscribe. Eventually, the price goes up. You get an email and you can choose whether to cancel or not. But if you don't do anything, it renews at the higher price. And this is also very important for Apple because if they want a company like Disney that does participate in that purchase, they want to have flexibility versus a company like netflix that doesn't play ball with that you know i don't think this will win netflix over but it is important for maintaining people who already companies who already participate in that purchase and and then therefore are in that um number of apple subscribers because of services yeah and apple said currently when an alternative subscription prices increase 
subscribers must opt in, this led to some services being unintentionally interrupted and users must then take steps to resubscribe. And that is largely true. Like, this this thing isn't just about taking advantage of the people that forgot they subscribed in the first place and getting a few extra dollars out of it. Like, that is a part of it. But the big thing is that even if you even for customer bases that wanted to keep subscribing to a service when the price went up the fact that before you have to get explicit permission from every customer to do it meant that you would get churn people would leave without even realizing it and that was incredibly damaging to big companies that if they ever have a price increase they would be like nervous about doing it because they could get like a 20 percent drop off in subscribers even though 19 out of that 20 percent would have subscribed anyway they just didn't realize that to approve a new subscription tier right so this is like a thing where yeah it's technically not as customer friendly as it was but it's not like anti-consumer it's just slightly more relaxed in a developer's favor to give them assurances that when they do increase prices they're not going to lose their entire subscribe base overnight and in this climate of inflation everybody needs the flexibility to increase prices so this is just something that Apple, especially as Apple now offers alternatives to in-app purchase, they have to not only be more competitive to customers, they have to be more competitive to the developer community because if Disney was thinking like, well, maybe now that we don't have to use in-app purchase, uh, we could go off on our own, this is a reason why to keep them on board, like you said. Yeah, every every subscription that isn't an in-app purchase subscription could already do this without limits. Um, and I think the Apple limits are pretty reasonable. And with less transparency, because you wouldn't get an email push notification and a message within the app. Yeah, you might get an email, but that's about it. The Apple TV, if Apple TV wanted to raise prices and they wanted to abide by these rules, then it could only go to $750, right? Because it's $499 a month. Correct. And Apple TV will eventually raise prices. It will. It will raise prices. Yeah. We'll we'll, we'll watch it go to $8 instead. (laughs) It's feel like blasphemy. Uh, Speaking of Apple TV+, Plus, there are some new trailers out this week. One of which really surprised, I think, the both of us, which mm-hmm. is Home, which I loved the first season of because I am someone who likes to watch tours of people's very fancy houses. Uh, I think I mentioned for um, the morning show, one of my favorite parts of the show was getting to see the very fancy apartment um, in the show. So Home season two, it's a thing. May- Apple didn't like make any hay about this. They just they just released the trailer. They just they just did it. And yeah, season one was like came out like April twenty twenty. It was basically a launch show, right? N- no, because the launch was November twenty nineteen. So it was okay, like, well, it felt like a launch show. I think it was. I mean, it was one we that, knew about it from the launch, but it didn't come out until like April. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then the pandemic. So yeah, happened. it was in the launch window. It was in the first six months. Yeah, and then the pandemic happened, which probably explains the gap. Um, but, yeah, I guess they couldn't have people going around people's homes. Yeah, yeah reasonable. Uh, but but home season two, so I, I'm looking forward to this. And when does it come out? Like June seventeenth, seventeenth. Yeah, I thought so. What, what's the other trailer we got this week? The other trailer is for mankind, which we've had a teaser for, but this is a trailer, which is like two minutes of content. This is a two minute content and a release date specifically of June tenth. Yep. So finish out your WWDC with, with For All Mankind. Um, I think when the teaser came out, I said on the podcast that I liked that it seemed to be that the season is going to be just like we're on Mars and this is what happens. Mm-hmm. Based on the trailer, I think it's like 65 to 70% we're going to Mars and then like maybe 25 to 30% we're on Mars and this is what happens. So 
little, little, little bit. Not I, I still got the gist. Maybe it's like fifty-fifty. Okay, yeah, it could vary. You know, if, if I we're mean the way there, the way I saw it is that they're going to be on Mars, but they're also going to have continuing storylines at home at the same time. Yeah, a lot of a lot of stuff in there. You get to see the, the aging process again. <laughs> a bit, um, maybe a bit on the weak side, like not as strong as last time. Yeah, uh, Ed Baldwin meant to be what, like sixty-five at this point, uh-huh. but he's looking good. Yeah, he's still looking good for sixty-five. Yeah, but he's just got I, I slightly grayer hair. I hope that's me. And it's not like he has a stressful job. Like he's, you know, that's why he's not aged so very much. <laughs> yeah, he's not like a head of NASA or anything, right? So, <laughs> well, maybe he's not. Maybe he's not anymore. Maybe he's retired. Yeah. Well, the head of NASA is uh, running for Senate. So, yeah. yes, yeah. yes, a lot, of, a lot of cool stuff there. Looking forward to seeing that show. Would love and, and this storyline. It seems to be like. The US tried to go to Mars, the Russia goes to Mars, and a, like an independent commercial company tries to go to Mars. Yeah. N- no parallels to uh, real life at all. That's uh, right. That's but right. It, it looked really cool. Yeah. yeah. It, I and some good CGI and stuff. Hope, hope to get to see episodes early. And if I, you know, if I do, um, I was jealous of, of what Jason Snell and Dan Moran did, uh, where they had a podcast that was because they had the episodes early, they did a podcast episode after each viewing and then they could do like almost like one, one session and done um, of reaction. And I would love to do that with the space explored team and have just a, a, a reaction podcast because it's a show that I think is fun to talk about. Hope they do that. Hope, hope I get access again. Cause it was nice last year. Yeah. I mean, Apple TV plus continues to release content. That looks pretty cool. So now I have, a, I have a question for you, Mayo. This is mm-hmm. technical. Uh, if I were to thank our sponsors, would that stay in the ad episode or ad every episode or not? I have no idea. It's it's a question I'll leave up to our audio, our audio editor, Seth, to figure out. I think it's okay. So I want to thank Pillow, LinkedIn, BetterHelp, and Upstart for sponsoring this week. And I really want to thank people who subscribe for the ad-free version because it lets me know that you you're may still, or may have not heard that section. <laughs> it lets me know that you're still listening. <laughs> Uh, so, so thanks to everyone who subscribed, whether it is the ad-free version or the paid or, or the the ad-supported version. We appreciate all listeners the same. Um, if you have any feedback for the show, you can email us together at happy hour at nine to five mac dot com just to say hi. Still listening? You can really let us know on Twitter. I'm at Apollo Zach A P O L L O Z A C. Benjamin is B Z A M A. And we will be back next week with our WWDC predictions and requests and wish lists and all the above. See everyone next week. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.